Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. I just want to introduce, um, I'm, I'm here, can you make them stand? Um, well, well, we got to know Henry as Ham, and then he got married. Do you still go by Ham, or is it now Henry? To Ulrika, it's Henry. Yeah, to Ulrika, it's Henry. The rest is Henry or, or Ham or Ham, it doesn't. doesn't. Uh, so, um, the reason why um, uh, Ham is up here tonight is, he's been in our church for how many years? Since 2013? 14. 14, so it's five years. And he's actually studying um, theology with myself and Brown. A lot of you guys don't know it, but behind the scenes, he's been working very hard as, at his studies, and he's a very, very good teacher. He's very good at breaking open uh, the word. Maybe myself and Brown, we're a little bit more of clowns. Of Muskini Brown, maybe, maybe we are the clowns, and maybe they are the teachers. I'm not, I'm not sure. But uh, what you need to do is to worship God uh, with all of your emotions, amen? It's important, all of your heart, but also all of your mind and all of your strength. And tonight we want to give um, Ham the opportunity to challenge our minds. And he, he's told me what he's going to do. I know exactly what he's going to do. And he's going to take us to the scripture, behind the scripture, tear it apart. And uh, it's incredible to see how much juice there is in scripture that we often read over very quickly. So um, have a ball, have fun. I just quickly want to pray for you and then, um, then go for it. So we're doing a sermon series on prayer and I preached this morning one message and, and Ham's doing another one tonight and then next week we're changing around. He's going to the morning in Afrikaans and I'm going to the evening. So we're working as a team and then you're going to get brown the week after that for a double. So that's more or less what's coming up. Well, Lord, I just want to thank you for, for Henry, Lord, and the work that you've been doing in his life. The reality is, Lord, that under the water, uh, you've, you've been working with him under the surface where eyes don't always see, and you've been digging deep into his heart and into his faith and into his mind, and tonight we, we're just ready to receive from him um, the essence of prayer, Lord, and we open our hearts. Amen. I'm of Baloney. <laughs> don't, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> Thanks, Varys. It's really a, a major privilege and honor to be here tonight. I'm really excited to share with you the word tonight. And just some more background on me. I, I, I grew up in Bluefontein, and then I was born there. Thankfully, I was born into a Christian family. Uh, thank God for my godly parents. But I didn't have a a real relationship with God. And then I went, went to Poch, studied electrical engineering. Thankfully, I got a bursary at Sassel, 2013, came to Secunda. And it's only in that December of 2013 when I gave my heart to the Lord. And 2014, joined Shofar, got baptized. And then end of 2015, God laid it on my heart to study theology. And I'm still busy, got three years left, so it's going to be a, still a long road. And then 2017, I married my beautiful wife, Laurika. And yeah, this is where I am today. And I really thank God for that. It's, I didn't do it out of my own strength. It's really by the, by the grace of God. And in preparing for tonight's sermon, it was interesting. 
I felt God's provision and grace together with the fear of God. And the fear of God is a good thing. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, Paul speaks to Timothy and he tells him, you know, we should correctly handle the word of truth. So that's my heart for tonight. I want us to dig into the word. I want the Holy Spirit to impart truth to us. us and I really rely on the Holy Spirit to, to impart and work in our hearts, to really impart that truth. So before we start, yeah, let's close our eyes. <clears throat> yes, Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you that you are good, Lord, that we can really just magnify your name for who you are. You are holy. We come before you. We open our hearts tonight. Holy Spirit, come minister to us. Break open the word, Lord. Speak with us. We want to hear you. We are seeking you, Lord. Yeah, we thank you for your goodness and grace and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, yeah, as Varys mentioned, today we're starting a new sermon series, Face to Face. It's all about talking about prayer and, and our hearts to, to seek God. Now, I want to start with the preposition for tonight. Now, the preposition is just, you know, what's the goal of tonight? What do we want? What do we want from from tonight's sermon, what is the goal? What do you want to get to? So for tonight, we want to take the Lord's Prayer and we want to utilize it as a guide in our prayer lives so that we can grow in seeking Him. Okay, so we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer and we're going to see how we can use it as a tool to grow in prayer. So because we want to seek God, seek His face. And there, well, there you can see the preposition so, what is prayer? What is prayer? Prayer is a two-way communication, an intimate two-way communication between us and God. In, in, in Scripture, God talks with us, but in prayer, we speak with God and He speaks with us. We sometimes neglect that part, the part where He speaks with us. We must remember that there are times when we pray, we can feel the Holy Spirit lay something on our heart. It may be a person that we can pray about or pray for. It can be a scripture. It can be a song. It can be a picture. It can even be a sin that he convicts us to turn to him. And that's the way that he talks with us. And in that, there's a form of communion, like the communion we shared now. Prayer is also a form of communion where we intimately speak with God. He speaks with us. And, and prayer is a huge topic. We can't just do it in one session. It's really, it's a, it's a major topic. We're going to touch the surface tonight. And then I want to share the basic, some basic facts about prayer that we, that we should affirm and, and, and really uh, hold on to. The first one is that prayer is, it's not that it's only a certain a certain. That certain people are allowed to pray. It's not for the elite. It's not only just for the intercessors. It's for all the believers. God wants everyone to pray. It's not that you are gifted in praying and now you should pray. The rest can, don't have to pray. No, no. God calls us. On, he wants us to pray. It's for every believer. And then, prayer is not just for our prayer rooms. It's, it's, it's true that when we pray, we normally, it's during our quiet times, we're in our bedrooms, we're reading scripture, and now we're praying, but it's not just for there. We have settings where we pray publicly, corporate, corporately, like we have here in church, or at intercession, at small group, 
But we can also pray privately to God when we, we're driving in our cars, when we are washing the dishes, walking the dog, when we're at our desks at work, when we're lying on our bed at night. So prayer is, we can really at any time talk with God. And then a, a difficult truth is that prayer is not always a, an absolute delight. It's not always fun praying. We don't always feel like praying. It is a duty sometimes. It, it is a form of discipline. And that's, that's where the word disciple comes in. When we're a disciple of Christ, we follow him, we must be disciplined at times. So praying is also, at times, we have to exercise some discipline. And then lastly, the expectation for prayer is to grow. You know, prayer is a growth process. It's like going to the gym. It's a muscle. You exercise it. The more you exercise it, the stronger you become. That's the growth process of, of prayer. That's, so it's not that when you get saved and you really want to pray, you immediately pray in tongues, you get pictures, you get scripture. It's not like that. It's really a growth process. And, and, and God calls us to pray and he wants that because as we grow, we grow closer to him. We seek him. We see him more. We know him more. So why then do we pray? When we pray, we are honoring God. We are acknowledging Him. It's a form of worship, like we were singing earlier, when we read Scripture, when we oh, just loving people, glorifying Him, glorifying Him at work, when we do things in excellence. Like that, prayer is a form of worship. God delights in it. It's a place where we really just spend intimate time with him. And it's not only just when we come to God in times of crisis. It's really, we, we need prayer. You know, it's true. In crises, we come to God, we need prayer. But it is also a form of worship. And, I mean, what husband or wife would like it if, if their spouse come to them only in times of crisis or only speak to them only once every third day for five minutes. You know, it's, prayer is about relationship, intimate relationship, growing in relationship. That's why we pray. It's coming to the, to the Father, growing in relationship. And, and that's the basis of, of prayer, is that personal relationship with Jesus. It's not a religious ritual or a wish list. That's not why we pray. We don't pray because we want things. We pray because we, we want to meet the Father. We want to meet God. God wants us to pray. He delights in our worship. He delights in fellowshipping with us. He wants to mold our character in prayer. And He, he delights in us seeking Him. When we pray, we partner with Him. When we pray, we're asking for His will. We're seeking His heart. God wants to impart to us. He wants to use us. He wants to spread His kingdom, His glory on earth through us. So in a sense, yes, we worship God in prayer. But as well, we partner with Him as well. Asking, Lord, what is Your will? Lord, I want to... Be the vessel, like we sang now. Make me your vessel, Lord. So we're seeking his heart, his will. We need prayer. It's our spiritual sustenance. And, and Jesus set the example in, in the Gospels. He prayed a lot. 
the, the disciples came to him and asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus had the most intimate relationship with the Father. And if Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? So we need, we need that spiritual sustenance. We need that connection with God. So if we can go to the next slide. So we're going to read tonight, we're going to read Matthew 6, verse 15, verses 5 to 15. And before that, I just want to give us a quick context of where we are in Matthew. The book of Matthew was written by Matthew, and he was a despised tax collector before Jesus called him. Before Jesus called him as a disciple in Capernaum, he was a tax collector, and then he became one of the disciples, one of the 12 disciples of Christ. Now, the purpose, uh, the, purpose, uh, the purpose of the book, why Matthew wrote it, was he wanted to prove that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, the eternal king. And he wrote it approximately 60 to 65 AD. And where we are reading, if we can go to the next slide, yes. So we are, where we are going to read about the Lord's Prayer, this is taking part in Jesus' Galilean ministry. Now, Jesus had a ministry of three and a half years. Approximately two and a half years he spent in Galilee, and approximately a half year he spent in Judea. So he first started in Galilee, he was rejected, then he went to Judea. So where we are now, where we're going to read, this is now in Jesus' first year of his ministry in Galilee, where he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And his goal in this time frame when he was teaching he wanted the people to see who he was. He wanted the people to realize who he was, that he was the Messiah, that he was the eternal king. And he was talking a lot about his kingdom. By his ministry, he was showing that the, the kingdom of God was breaking into the world. It was breaking into the world through Christ. He was the eternal king, and he was leading the way of the kingdom, breaking, it into, breaking into this world. And we know that this kingdom is still being formed on this earth until Christ returns one day. Then the kingdom will be complete. All right, just the next slide then. So we'll see on the map, okay, it's, it's not so clear, but uh, this is now the, 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 the land of Israel in Jesus' time. And then at the top, there's a red circle. So the red circle is Galilee, and then below that, the yellow circle is Samaria. And then below that is the orange circle. That's, that's Judea and Jerusalem. So we're there in Galilee. And then just for interest's sake, the next slide. If you wanted to go to Galilee, you'd uh, have to drive approximately 10,000 kilometers. It'll take you 151 hours to get there. But you can get there. So, and if, this is a free geography lesson as well. So there you can see South Africa. And then Israel's on top right there. Okay, great. Now, Matthew 6, verse 5 to 15. The topic here is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Now he's talking about kingdom principles. What are we as citizens in this kingdom? What are we to do? How does a disciple's life look in this kingdom? The, the paragraph just before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is talking about giving. The paragraph just after the Lord's Prayer, he's talking about fasting. So that's what I, those three topics and those three, those three topics are forms of worship. So he's talking about how are we to worship in this new kingdom. Okay, so now we've got the context. Let's, let's read scripture. Matthew 6 verse 5. And when you pray, 
you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So where, where I want to just sit on for now is, is it's Matthew, 5 verse, Matthew 6 verse 5, where it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Now what Jesus means by that is that in those days, the, there, was, there were a lot of pious Jews that liked to pray mornings, afternoons, and evenings, and there were certain times to pray. So they would go about, on, go about their day, and at a certain time when they needed to pray, they would stop and pray. Wherever they are, when, street corner, wherever they were busy with, they would stop and pray. And, and, and these, these guys, they liked the attention they got, praying out loud in public. And sometimes you would think, does this now mean that we're not supposed to pray in public? And that's not the case. We have there are times where we pray corporately in church, where we pray at small groups, at intercession. So Jesus isn't saying we shouldn't pray in public. Even Jesus prayed in public. And the Lord's Prayer begins with our Father. You know, our Father, the unity of the church, it always it sets up a, a corporate uh, a prayer in church. But when we do pray in public, our hearts must be for God. We must pray for God. It mustn't be for the praise from people. It must be to praise God. There is a major advantage of, of praying in private is that you can exclusively focus on God and, and, and pray to God. But publicly, it's also a space where we can worship God together in prayer. And then at the end of verse 6, it says there, Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. The reward the hypocrites received. So the reward they received is the praise from people. So Jesus is comparing their reward to our reward when we faithfully seek him in prayer. Their reward is the praise from people, which is temporary, it's fleeting, it goes away. But our reward is eternal relationship with God. If we pray to impress people, we must stop and repent. Ask God to cleanse our hearts, come back to him, and pray in public with hearts that are in right standing before him. And then in verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Mindless prayer repetitions do not stir the heart of God. God's after our hearts. We pray with our hearts. 
and, and I was very convicted of this because I, I grew up in a Christian home and we prayed before every meal and it's the same prayer every time. And I can, and can, I can say it, I can pray it now, excuse my Afrikaans, but it goes something like this. Jere, sien ons met die gebruik van die liefde gave en maak ons oprecht dankbaar afhoor. Amen. And sometimes when we feel that we want to mix it up a bit, so guests, we've got guests coming over, um, we want to mix it up, then we pray. Jere, sien ons met die gebruik van die liefde gave, maak ons oprecht dankbaar afhoor. Sien ons samen sien. Amen. That's when we're really mixing it up. So, that's, that's what I grew up with and I was really convicted with that when I gave my heart to the Lord, and now every time that, that we have a meal, I really just want to pray the words with my heart and try to change the words as well, that I don't mindlessly repeat the same words over and over, that it's just an habit, that God, God doesn't look for that, that, that doesn't stir his heart. Looking at the Lord's Prayer, then specifically, is it starts with, Verse 9, pray then like this, okay? So we're not saying, Lord's Prayer, this is the prayer we all must pray, again, mindlessly repeating it. That's not the heart. Jesus is giving us a pattern to pray after, a structure. He's teaching us the essence of prayer. So I've highlighted the two sections. So the first section, it's all about God. And it's called the Lord's Prayer because Jesus taught it. But we can also call it the disciples' prayer because we are called to, to learn from it, to pray it. And so the first half focuses on God. First and foremost, prayer focuses on God. And the second half, as you can see, talks more about our dependency. We see our total dependence on God. So it's worshiping God, acknowledging our dependency on God. The first four lines, our Father in heaven. It's all about his name, his kingdom, his will. So really there, again, focusing on worship and thanksgiving. In the second half, our dependence, we see that dependence, and it ties in with self-reliance. Self-reliance is such a worldly attitude, a sinful attitude that we, we kind of also grow up with, that we can rely on our own strength, our own knowledge, that we got this. And we know that, we've heard that saying, God helps those who help themselves, which is not biblical. God helps those who call out to him. God helps those who can't help themselves, which is all of us, because we can't help ourselves. We can't save ourselves. So let's break down the Lord's Prayer. Let's start with the first First line of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in Heaven. So here we see, we start off with a proper view of God. Who is God? And, and, and our prayers become more effective the more we realize who He is. So He is our Father. Again, that unity. It's not my Father, it's our Father. The unity of His body, His church. And He is our Father. Now the Greek word for, for, for Father there is pater. And in Aramaic, it's Abba. So the, the, the New Testament was written in Greek, but what the guys spoke that, that, in that time, in that region, was Aramaic. So they most likely said Abba, which is Father. If we know that God is our Father, we know 
that we can draw near to him with boldness because of the price that Christ paid on the cross. He made the way by giving his life and now we can come to the Father with boldness. We don't have to be afraid of him. We don't have to be formal and unemotional and hide away our feelings and our thoughts and, and barricade our hearts, you know? He is our Father, our loving Father. We can grow in understanding His heart. He wants us to know that, He wants us to understand whom we are praying for, or whom we are praying to, rather. He cares for us more than the best earthly father can care for his children. That's what he wants us to know right off the bat when we pray. God wants us to speak to him like he's our father. Simple words, nothing fancy, sincere hearts. That's what he's looking for. He's our father in heaven. And in heaven, that really highlights he is the one who created all things from nothing. He rules. He created everything. He sustains it. We are so dependent on him. Everything we are, everything we have belongs to him. The foundation of prayer does not lie on who we are. It's not about us. It's not who we are. All the mountains we face, the obstacles we have to overcome, that's not what we look at when we pray. We focus on who God is. Knowing God's greatness is knowing that there's no limit to his ability. It's knowing the love of his father heart. God should take center stage in our prayers. Then we go to hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed is a fancy word for holy. What we are not praying here is, God, you should be made holy. We're not saying, God, you should be made holy. God is already holy. We are declaring who he is. God, you are holy. What we are praying is, may the whole world see that you are holy. Hallowed be your name. May the whole world see that you are holy. We are calling God to act in such a way that the whole world see that he is holy, that they see he is glorious and perfect in all his attributes. Hallowed be your name. Then, your kingdom come. God's kingdom is already here. Jesus inaugurated it the moment he stepped onto earth. He led, he led the way. So God's kingdom is already here. We are thus praying that God's kingdom come more and more until he returns one day. Now what is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is in the hearts of his children. God's kingdom is his kingly rule in our hearts as we submit to him. That is where the kingdom of God is. What we are saying when we pray is we are saying, God, will you exercise your kingly rule in such that it spreads out through us, to all of those with whom we come into contact with. That's what we are praying there. May your kingdom spread through what we say and don't say, when we speak life, when we don't speak death, 
May your kingdom come through what we do and don't do. May your kingdom come when we love people. May your kingdom come when we don't slander other people or gossip. Your will be done. Now, this one's the tricky one. Here we pray. Here the focus really is on our humility when we pray to God. We ought to pray with humility. God's plans are infinitely better than ours. Our attitude when praying should be, God, we surrender our will to you. We surrender our will. It's your will, Lord. We must be humble enough to recognize that we don't know what's best for us. We don't know. God knows what is best for us. Why? Because he is our father. He knows what is best for his children. And then in Luke 22 verse 42, you know, may our hearts be like Christ's heart when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, moments before his capture, before he was crucified. He prayed there in Luke 22 verse 42, not my will, but your will be done. And may it be done perfectly as it is in heaven. What is his will? What is his will? That's a million dollar question. I wondered about that a lot before I got saved as well and afterwards. To, to word it broadly, God's will is glorify his name. But to each person will look differently. Where do we find his will? In the Bible. That's where we start. His will is in scripture. His will is how we conduct ourselves, what we think, what we say, what we, how we behave, what's our attitudes. That is his will. When we read scripture, he highlights that, which is his will, how we should act. And there, from there we learn. And the amazing thing is, is then he accomplishes his will through us. So we are actually the doers of his will. So God wants to partner with us. He wants to use us as his vessels, as his instruments, to be the doers of his will. And it's no longer about us. We live in a very self-centered world, very self-centered culture, lifestyle, where it's all about me. And it's a hard lesson to learn. The temptation keeps coming back. It is about me, it's about me. And I've fall, fallen there as well. There's been times where I've drifted away and where I found, find myself thinking about myself, my desires, my goals, my will. And I continually have to bring it back and repent and turn to God and say, Sorry, God, Lord, forgive me, your will be done. And in that, prayer brings us into alignment with, with his will. It's like a river. God is this mighty river and we step into that river and we surrender our will and we follow where the river goes. In 1 John 5 verse 14, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. To see God's purposes fulfilled on this earth should be our heart's desire. It's where we are in step with the Father, like Jesus. 
And then all three of these statements we can add on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Here we see our physical dependence on God. This is where we really see, now we're into the second part of the prayer. We see our dependency. And this is where we see our dependency on our physical needs. So this includes food, clothing, shelter. And material security is an illusion. <laughs> you know, we can bank as much money as we want. We can have all the, gather all the knowledge. We can be as fit as we can. There's no guarantee in that. Give us this day our daily bread. God is our security. God provides. He is the one that is concerned with every detail of our lives. He's concerned about our daily bread. F further on, in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 6, verse 25 and 31, Jesus talks about anxiousness and, and building treasures or laying treasures on earth and, and really where we would must rather lay treasures in heaven where we can trust on God for even the most basic things in our lives. And there's nothing too great, too small that we can bring to the Lord. He wants us to bring it before Him. He's concerned about, he's concerned about our, the details in our lives. So we are to bring our requests before God in, in Philippians 4 verse 6. And then in Matthew 6, 25 and 31, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So God is a Father in heaven. He doesn't. He wants an intimate relationship with us. If we just pray to him when we are in crisis, we need things. There's not real relationship being built. When we build that relationship with him and we pray to him in the good times and the bad times, that's when the relationship is really being built up. And then when we ask him for our physical dependency, our, our physical dependencies, our physical needs, then his heart is to give. That is his heart. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Here we see our dependency on him with regards to our spiritual needs. Okay, we need forgiveness of God. And it's interesting, you know, that this prayer emphasizes the need of the restoration of our personal fellowship with God and others. There's that need that, that God wants to fill. So we must ask God to forgive our sins, resist temptation, and then develop a habit of keeping a short account with God. So repent often. Repent often. Keep a short account. We know with the Lord's Prayer, when it talks about daily bread, so we should at least pray once a day, but we can definitely pray more. So the more we bring our sins before God, the shorter an account. Because I've experienced that when I don't repent or bring sins before Him, that after a while, there's a division between myself and God. There's a distance. So we must give it to God that that distance will shorten and we can be in intimate relationship with Him again. 
And when we ask for forgiveness, he gives it. We talk openly. He wants us to talk openly about our sins, openly about our failures. Because he wants to forgive us and change us. Being open with the Lord about our sins gives him the opportunity to help us overcome our failures, our struggles. We need not fear that he will condemn us. He will not condemn us. For if we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. His desire is to deliver us from it, to save us from it. And now on the topic of forgiving others, that's, that's another huge topic, but we won't go into depth tonight. Because Jesus focuses on it in verse 12, when he says, and forgive us our debts and all, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then he adds verse 14 and 15 as well. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, the word forgive in this context does not mean when we come to salvation or we meet Christ or we give our hearts to Christ for the first time, okay? This is not a prayer for salvation. So this forgive is not when we come to God and for the first time. What this forgive means in this context means, like I mentioned earlier, We've been saved. Now we continually, when we sin, we still repent. We bring our sins to God. He forgives us. And then God, with equal importance, he adds, we must forgive others. So it's not like when we come to get saved, when we, we're coming to Christ for the first time, that the prerequisite is we must first forgive others before he forgives us. Okay? This just means it is important to forgive others as God forgives us, as we continually bring our sins before him. Okay. So it's for the restoration of fellowship with him and with our neighbors. The point is this. If God has forgiven us in Christ, then we can be obedient to him and forgive anyone who has sinned against us. It is a sign of our true repentance before God. Just like because God first loved us, we can love. Because God first forgave us, we can forgive. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We know from James 1 verse 13 that God does not tempt. He does not tempt anyone with sin. So what we are praying when we pray those words, we are praying, Lord, do not lead us through trials so deep that they would tempt us to be unfaithful to you. And that reminds us of when the Holy Spirit led Christ into the desert after he got baptized. He led Christ into the desert to be tested. Satan came and tempted him and Christ won. He was not tempted. He did not sin. So this is an example of, of that in these words. Another example, Lord, allow us to be spared from difficult circumstances that would tempt us to sin. So what Jesus is calling us to do is to express our dependence on him. Lord, we need you. We are dependent on you to resist the power of temptation, to resist the power of sin, to resist the power of the devil. We do not have the capability ourselves to resist the devil. And God provides us with strength when you call on his name. We must remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood. We read in Ephesians 6 verse 12. Our battle is against evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now this was not in Matthew. I don't know who picked that up. 
but that's actually not written in Matthew. The reason we don't find it in the Bible is because when the early church compiled the Bible in the first few centuries after Christ's ascension, they found that these words weren't in the oldest Greek manuscripts of the Gospels, of the Gospel of Matthew. So they took that out of Matthew and that is how we have it in the Bible now. But that does not mean that we can't still pray it. it theologically, it's still correct to pray that. So, and it also ends off quite well because you start the prayer with worshiping God and you end the prayer with worshiping God. So let's end off some practical tips. Pray privately. Again, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray at intercession, we shouldn't pray at small group, we shouldn't pray here, but that's the starting point. We can't expect to come to intercession and pray when we're not praying in our private time. That's when God is speaking with us and building us up, molding us. Okay, that's the starting point, where we grow in prayer in our private room with God, and from that overflow, we come and we pray at intercession, we pray at church, we pray in small group, but it starts there. And I'm not saying you can't come to intercession to learn to pray. You can still come to intercession and not pray and just stand there and listen. That's also great. I encourage you guys to really grow this muscle because it's there where we really see God for who he is. We learn more from him. Pray simple, sincere prayers. God is more interested in what we are than what we say. Okay? What I mean by that is I can say it like this as well. God is more interested in the condition of our hearts than what we say. Prayer is a matter of the heart. Pray sincerely, simple words. Another good tip is combining scripture with prayer. Now what I mean by that is I find it difficult sometimes because it's a two-way communication. I pray and I speak with God and then I listen to hear what he is saying. And then my mind starts wandering off. And that's not very productive, not very effective. So what I mean here is when, when we struggle with that, we read scripture. And as we're reading it, we trust the Holy Spirit to maybe highlight a verse. We reread that verse and we pray through that verse. And then we read further and then something else. And then we pray again. So that's just combining scripture with prayer if we struggle with wandering minds that we, we read and pray. And then the last practical tip is just memorizing the Lord's Prayer. Again, the goal is not to mindlessly repeat it every time. The goal is when we have times when we don't have words, and it does come, and we're in a difficult times, and we just don't know what to pray, Lord's Prayer. And we just engage with it with our hearts. And then we also memorize it because now we've got the structure and we can put the specifics of our own lives into that structure. We know we start off worshiping God, honoring for who he is, thanking him. Your kingdom come through us, Lord. Your will be done, not my will. And then you start bringing your dependency before him, confessing your sin, acknowledging just what you need and your spiritual dependence on him, what you struggle with. So you just put in your own details in there. So that's the heart. That's the Part of tonight is really taking the Lord's Prayer, using it as a pattern, growing in prayer, using that, and then growing in seeking Him, His Father heart. 
And then we can go to the last slide. So I've just given the Lord's Prayer up there. I think we can stand. And then I'll just, I'll just pray for us. Let's close our eyes. Yes, Lord, we, oh, Lord, we just honor you as our loving Father, Lord, the one who created everything, sustains everything. You are in control, Lord. We, you are holy, Lord. You are so good, so good, Lord. And oh, Lord, we just want to lift up your name, and we want to acknowledge that we don't know what's best for us, Lord. We, we surrender our wills to you, Lord, and we give it to you, Lord. Let your will be done. Oh, Lord, let your kingdom come. May other people see you for who you are through us in our lives, that they will meet you, meet the Father. And thank you, Jesus, for the price you pray, paid on the cross that we can come to you with boldness, Lord. And we just pray that you would Forgive us for our sins, Lord. Help us with our hearts where we struggle to forgive others. And Lord, we just give our needs before you, put our needs before you, Lord, and know that you are the good Father that won't give a stone when we ask for bread. You won't give a, a, a snake when you ask for fish, Lord. You are the good Father. You know what we need. Yes, Lord, and help us in times of temptation. Give us strength. We rely on you. You are the one that overcame. The victory is yours. We thank you for that, Lord.